1: Go to Bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombas.com slash
0: ACAST, code ACAST. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com/slash-wondersuite. Hello, and welcome to the band with Hamish Ontzi. Now, today, one of the most important leaders in Europe. Emmanuel Macron, the French president, flies to Israel to offer, he says, proposals. And that's a quote from him. He wants to push for a humanitarian truce. He also wants to show solidarity with Israel. And to quote him, he wants to make proposals that are as operational as possible, whatever that means, and he hoped his visit to the region would be useful. Macron is the last of the what were, used to be the great powers, the United Kingdom, the United States, and of course France, to go there. And we're joined now by one of the most brilliant journalists we've ever had contributing to newspapers in this country and elsewhere. Lara Marlowe is a Paris-based writer and journalist, and she has... Covered this and other stories for a very, very long time. Larry, you're very welcome to the stand. I want to ask you first about the delay in Macron going. And also, I suppose we might start with an observation by a Beirut based foreign policy expert. His name is Karim Amil Bittar. The French think tank. That he runs is called Iris, he told Reuters yesterday, we're under the impression that nothing distinguishes France from other Western European countries now, which wasn't historically the case and is shocking to public opinion in the Arab world. So can you tell us what the French position used to be in the Gaulist years, for example
1: um first of all, Macron's delay in going to um israel he said. The, uh, two weeks ago, he said he would go when it was useful, when he could make a contribution. And he, he did, it did get embarrassing that he took so long. You might remember that he was also uh, one of the last people to go to Kyiv to see Zelensky. Yes. Uh, he was criticized very severely for, for going to see um, uh, Vladimir Putin in Moscow just before the full scale invasion of Ukraine. So he, he does always seem to have this timing that's just, kind of out of sync with, with other people. And as you say, I mean, all the other Western leaders have been there before him. Now, will he be able to do something useful, uh, as he said two weeks ago? I mean, he's the only leader who has said we must relaunch the peace process. I mean, you, you might think it's a bit early to, to, to say that, but he has the merit of having said it. He yes. is also the only leader who is going to see Mahmoud Abbas in Ramallah, uh, and you may say, well, Mahmoud Abbas is, is, is a boring old fart. He never longer represents anyone. He hasn't been elected for, I think it's 16 years now, uh, and, and, and so on. He's seen as corrupt and an autocrat, all of which is true, but he's the only representative of the Palestinians who Western leaders are still allowed to talk to. Yes, and so also
0: it, it's worth pointing out, Lara, is it not, that Joe Biden wanted to see him. He was mm-hmm. number one on the list. He refused, as did the other leaders, the King of Jordan, for example, to mm-hmm. meet Biden after mm-hmm. the hospital atrocity for which there is no definitive notion of who did it mm-hmm. or idea of who did it. But I understand... That's Bass, a very
1: good point. Yeah, yes, yes, that's, it, a, that's it, a very good point. So, so Macron is is less... Uh, well, let me put it this way. The, the U.S. is seen as, is held responsible by the Arabs for what Israel does. As it, as, you know, the donor of something like four billion a year in military aid to Israel. Yes. Um, and, and the U.S. can't really shake that off. Uh, whereas uh, Macron, I mean, I remember the Iranians in the Iranian revolution used to talk about big satans and little satans. So I, I think, in in the eyes of of Islamists and much of the Arab world, the the US would be big satans, and perhaps France would be little satans. Yes. Um, but you you mentioned France's former. Uh, Arab policy, as it was known, Sa Politique Arabe, uh, which started with de Gaulle, who who was very distrustful of Israel and had very tense relations with Israel over all sorts of issues. Uh, And that continued through Jacques Chirac. I, I covered... Chirac's visit to Israel, and um, I think it was October 1996. And you might remember there was a big scene in the Old City, and he he, he got angry with the the uh, Israeli security, and he said, "Do you want me to go back to my plane?" And, yes. and he was incredibly popular um, in the pa- among Palestinians, there yes. were dozens of babies named Jacques Chirac after him, and so on. <laughs> and that ended with Chirac. Sarkozy, uh, whose whose mother was Jewish. Um, was was very pro-Israeli and and made no secret of it. In fact, the Israelis actually issued a stamp with Sarkozy's image on it. Um, uh, Hollande as well. And Macron had just thought there was nothing to be gained from getting involved in in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Like all Western leaders, he had just ignored it. And uh, Netanyahu thought that he could have peace. Uh, what he, peace for peace sake, you know, and, and, and that he didn't have to give any land to the Palestinians. He thought he could remove the whole Palestinian issue from, uh, world politics. And he more or less succeeded. I mean, if you look at the Abraham Accords and so on, um, Netanyahu had convinced the world that the Palestinians basically didn't exist anymore. So Macron now suddenly, he, he, you have to give him credit for it. He sees an opportunity. And uh, there's so many things that are being ignored and not said in, in this this horrible, horrible period of, of of world history. And Macron sees that sooner or later the shooting will stop, and this question should be addressed. And not only that, but it's important for the stability of France because France has both the the biggest Muslim population and the biggest Jewish population. In Europe, yes. um, there's often, it's almost a cliche. They're always talking about the Israeli Palestinian conflict being imported into France. So that's something he fears. There's been a lot of, a lot of bomb scares, anti Semitic acts, um, demonstrations pro and con. And, and the interior minister tried to ban pro Palestinian demonstrations and so on. So he, this can be seen as a move to please. Um, the Arabs, the Muslims in France, who are a very significant minority.
0: Yes, and they have, in France, Lara, they have very vivid and recent memory of terrorism from ISIS. And we do know about the huge Muslim population in France, of course, and Mm -hmm. about the the huge Jewish population. Mm -hmm. So France has a, a lot at stake in this, as does every participant None more so, of course, than the Palestinians and the Israelis.
1: It should be said that France has also, um, like the US and, and many other Western countries, suffered a lot from the, the Hamas atrocities of October 7th. Um, there were 30 dual nationals, 30 French citizens killed yes. on October 7th, and there are nine of them still missing. We know that one young woman, 21 uh, year old uh, Mia Sham is um, is a hostage. Uh, Hamas released a video of her. We're not sure where th- what's happened to the other eight. So there is that domestic concern as well. Um, but going back to, to France's glory days as a big power in the Middle East, uh, which which Macron has really sacrificed and, 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 and given up by his policies, which until now have been very pro-Israeli. Um, yes. And he, but it's funny how it just kind of comes back like a ghost. And in the run up to his trip to Israel, his advisors were talking about France's privileged relations with Lebanon and Egypt. Um, As you know, France was a mandate power in Lebanon. Um, They they didn't actually, (laughs) I mean, you could say they were responsible for the Lebanese civil war in as much as they they gifted Lebanon with this this unworkable system of confessional government. But they still think that they were a great civilizing force in Lebanon. Um, You may remember after the port explosion in, I think it was 2020, uh, Macron went to Beirut twice. Uh, and he was going to sort everything out, and he was going to get a new democratic government, and, and, and so on and so forth, and, and that went nowhere. Um, he has not saved Lebanon, so um, I think the Lebanese would have mixed feelings about that, but they also feel very close to Egypt. Um, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, the Egyptian marshal who's a dictator, uh, has made several uh, very high-profile trips to Paris, Macron is selling him billions of euros worth, worth of, of weapons, fighter bombers, and Rafales, and, and so on and so forth. So um, he may go, it, it's not clear yet, but he may go and see al-Sisi in Cairo or, or King Abdullah in Jordan. I'm not sure if there's any purpose him going to Lebanon.
0: Both of them, of course, refused also to see Joe Biden, President yes. Biden. They snubbed him. It was a very public snub, mm-hmm. and I would think. There's something I'll raise with you later, a remark made. I'll raise it with you now just as a context for our conversation. Vladimir Putin said yesterday that the U.S.-centric world order Mm -hmm. is over, and this crisis has that kind of backdrop, and really it is something that has crossed my mind, and I'm sure the minds of, of many other people, we might come back to that, but let me ask you about Ursula von der Leyen, mm-hmm. the president of the European Union, who went on a solo run last week, which can only be described as catastrophic. And she gave, as indeed uh, the American president and the British prime minister gave, have given, unqualified support mm-hmm. for Israel in the light of the 1,400 lives taken, and taken, in my view, in the terrorist attack by Hamas on October 7th. But von der Leyen has a problem now, doesn't she? Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. It actually fits into what you were just saying, uh, the Vladimir Putin quote about the U.S.-centric world. Yes. Inasmuch as Ursula von der Leyen uh, is part of that, I mean, one of the things that her colleagues in Brussels most reproach her for is her total alignment with the White House, with yes. the US. Yes. And to my mind, um, you know, the, the, the US as the sole superpowers as the hyperpower as Hubert Védrine used to call it. Um, that is probably over because the world is kind of breaking up into these blocks. But what has not ended is this this confrontation of two big power blocks. It's almost a, a fallback. To the Cold War, or even the Second World War, or the First World War, where you've got the whole world lining up on two sides. Yes. And, and whether or not this continues, because the U.S. always has these isolationist tendencies and a desire to kind of crawl back into its shell, but for the time being, the U.S. is the leader of the the Western bloc, I wouldn't call it the free world at the moment, but um, they are the leader of the, the, the bloc that includes Israel and the EU and so on and so forth. And you have a lot of Europeans who are not happy with this. Uh, and Ursula von der Leyen over and over and over has shown herself to be more interested about defending Washington's interests than the EU's interest. Nice. Um, Biden is obsessed with China and he wants a confrontation with China and Fontaine has played into that, um, to the detriment of European trade with China. That has angered people. Um, she also goes it alone. I mean, her trip to Israel, she, she notified none of her European colleagues that she was taking off for Israel on October 13th. Uh, she did the same thing with Kyiv she wanted to be the first to get there the european her fellow europeans kind of let it go for ukraine because there was a broad consensus on ukraine yes. but on israel as as you know there there is no broad european consensus i mean even last night when when joseph uh, borrell wanted a humanitarian ceasefire the germans wouldn't vote for a ceasefire so they had to change it to yes. a pause yes
0: um, yes and i want to ask you about that lara france and germany are the two big or where and probably, arguably, still are the two great powers in the European Union now? The Germans appear; they have their own domestic problems with the rise of the AfD, and they have their own history. Of course, this is grave in terms of European unity. Is it
1: the German? Um,
0: well, the 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 the, 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 the inability the to lead. Yeah, you know, we don't speak as a European with one no. voice now
1: no did we ever i mean well <laughs> i think on ukraine to an extent yeah uh, ukraine was a good surprise actually and on on the covid uh, pandemic as well yes um, europe had done quite well this is true uh germany but a lot of this is to do with uh, the character and personality of olaf schultz as well He he's not Angela Merkel, and and he um he's I, I understand he's he's quite a difficult character. Um, I don't think he gets along very well with Macron, and if, if the or I, I know he doesn't get on well with Macron, and if the Franco-German engine isn't working, Europe stalls. Um, that, that's part of a problem. But in, concerning the crisis in the Middle East, uh, my colleague Derek Scali had a, a very yes. good piece in, in the weekend section. I
0: read it; it was excellent. Yeah, yes.
1: about he called it Germany's Israel complex. And it's the fact that Germany was responsible for the Holocaust. And that has totally determined their policy towards Israel and Palestine. And I I think it's, it's very unfair that the Palestinians are being made to suffer for the Holocaust. The Palestinians had nothing to do with the Holocaust. They're not responsible for it. No. Um, but, but European, power, and to a certain extent, France as well, which deported, um, 76,000 Jews, most of whom died in, in the death camps. Um, the Europeans are still driven by guilt and, and the past. And that, uh, is a very, is a determinant factor in their policy. Uh, so, so that's a very big problem. And, and, um, Ursula von der Leyen, of course, as a long-time defense minister of Germany, yes. had very, very close relations with Israel. And as a German, you could almost say it's it's in her DNA to be pro-Israeli and and to defend Israel. And it also fits in very tidily with her pro-U.S. pro-White House um, um, stand. Um, there are also rumors that she really wants to replace Jens Stoltenberg as the Secretary-General uh, of, of NATO. NATO yes. Yeah, and he's supposed to, he extended, I believe, and he's supposed to step down in a year from now. Uh, but is this also out of personal ambition that she is, is doing this? Um, I don't know. I mean, she, she wants, she's standing for re-election as President of the Commission after the EU elections next June. Uh, but this has not made her more popular. It has not improved her chances. Of renewing her term as uh, president of the commission, and um, I, I don't know about Secretary General of NATO. Maybe this will all blow over for her. Uh, but it, it's the first time I've really seen her queried and questioned in, in such a way. And you know, she has this little war going on with Charles Michel, uh, yes. the Belgian, who's head of the European Council. And, and she, she didn't. Actually, t-
0: she didn't tell him that she was going. As no, you, as you well, pointed out, she told nobody. But he is a very powerful figure and a, arguably a more representative figure of the Absolutely. European parliamentarians.
1: And it gets very, very petty, um, Eamon. There was on October 11th, they had a photograph of the, taken of the three presidents of Europe, um, the president of the parliament, herself, and Charles Michel. And she actually had the photo reframed so that Charles Michel was cut out of the photograph. Oh That's how bad it is.
0: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four
0: weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict.
0: Let me ask you as an American, Lara, about the isolation.
1: Franco American. Franco
0: American <laughs> and of course, you know, for Americans of another generation, I'm thinking back to Hemingway and people like that. France was the ideal and France mm-hmm. was the place to, to go and be. And as indeed it has been for a long time for many people. The growing isolationism and this Now, unconditional support for Benjamin Netanyahu, really. It's Mm. not fair, I don't think, to lay this on all Israelis.
1: Mm, Well, it's a bit like blaming Palestinians for Hamas, I suppose.
0: But, yeah, I mean, Netanyahu is the person that he has sworn to support in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And as Putin pointed out yesterday, the American-centric world, and as you've just remarked, we depend on America, its power, of course, its military force, its economic power, but also, to a degree, its moral authority.
1: Well, I, I think in the <laughs> Middle East... <laughs> you
0: may not agree with that, but it did.
1: I mean, well, we, one would like to. I mean, the, the, they saved the world uh, in two world wars, didn't they? And and, and
0: Yes, I mean, Roosevelt is a good example of it. Kennedy, at another time, went to the Berlin Wall and said, ich bin, I'm Berliner, you know, at a, a critical moment.
1: Yeah, I, I think that they they squandered a lot of that moral authority in the Vietnam War, in, in the Iraq War, in in so many, so many, many conflicts. And especially for me, uh, in the, the this Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Yes. I mean, you know, when, when Biden, uh, I think it was last week, gave this speech where he said, um, you know, support for uh, Israel against Hamas was the same thing as support for Ukraine against Russia.
0: That's um,
1: I was I was shocked. I was yes. horrified. And I thought, I didn't sign up for this, um, you know.
0: No, and I was, I must say, I was, I thought... That comment was madness. He also said another couple of things which were horrendous. In a modeling speech in the White House, it was really hardly a prepared speech. He said, I've known Bibi mm-hmm. for 40 years. <sighs> yeah, great. Bibi is, you know, it's not part of the solution, that's for sure.
1: No. No, and and he probably will be out of power when this is over. Um, in in the same way that Golda Meir um had to leave office after the seventy three war because she let Israel get caught, um, you know, inattentive and and without warning, and and Netanyahu has yes. done the same thing. And the reason is that Netanyahu has devoted so many resources. To the settlers and the ultra orthodox, who are yes. his constituency, that he's totally he's neglected the security. He neg- he yes. uh, ignored warnings about that, that something was brewing, and, and so on. so. He deserves to go. I mean, he deserved to go a long time ago. But um, I, I hope he'll be out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm sure the U.S. will will cozy up to whoever replaces him. Let's hope it's not someone even worse than Netanyahu.
0: Yes, and Biden also said when he was in Israel, meeting Netanyahu and standing beside him, and this bomb hit the hospital. It was the day after the bomb hit the hospital, the missile, rather, and took 500 lives or or thereabouts, depending on who you believe. I mean, as Biden's Air Force One was leaving the tarmac in Washington, he was longer on the plane than he was in Israel, but a remark about... (laughs) As to the bomb, he said it looks like it was the other team that did it.
1: Terrible, terrible
0: choice of words. I mean, this is not a game of American football.
1: No, no, no. But I I, I fear that Biden is is really past it. And the dilemma for American voters like me is going to be, can I really vote for Biden again uh, despite his despicable policies um, in the Middle East and, and, and the fact that he's really obviously not up to the job, can I really vote for him just to keep Donald Trump from coming back? And it, it is a dilemma, I must say.
0: Let me ask you about French public opinion, Lara, and your sense of it, because Paris is your base now. And you told us about the demographics there of the largest Jewish and indeed, the largest Arab populations in Europe, in France. Where does this sit with the French people? And could it have an effect? Because France is, is critical and Le Pen is still out there somewhere.
1: I, I haven't seen any recent polls since this, this fighting has started about French public opinion on it. I know that time and time again, People, French friends who are not uh, firebrands, who are not radicals by any stretch of the imagination, uh, have expressed dismay at France's pro-Israel policy. Um, uh, The same could be true of a lot of, could be said of a lot of my friends and relatives in America. Uh, They feel people in Western countries uh, very often feel that their leaders have uh, espoused policies which they do not support, particularly yes. regarding Palestine and Israel. Yes. I'll give you an example. In um, early, let me think, it would have been three or four days after the the Hamas massacre of fourteen hundred Israelis. Yes. Um, I had a lunch and, held a lunch in Paris for my big brother. And there was a, a man who came who's actually a French aristocrat, a retired banker, very much an establishment sort of figure. And we were discussing an outburst by, uh, La France Insoumise, uh, France Bao, which is the extreme left party in yes. France. And it, it would be, I mean, like Sinn Féin, it, it's the only pro-Palestinian party, uh, in France. Marine yes. Le Pen has totally aligned herself with Israel. Yes. And the, okay, the, they're actually divided among themselves. That's a whole other story. But their leader Jean-Luc Mélenchon uh, had defended Hamas, and he was he was absolutely pilloried by all of his French colleagues, by other French politicians. Yes. And this this French banker said to me um, at, at when I had this lunch, he said. I, I'm not far from agreeing with Mélenchon in this yes. in this case. Yes. And as I said, I'm I'm always surprised that so many people have these sort of closet views that they don't dare express because yes. they know they'll be chased out of their jobs or whatever if yes. they do. Yes. Um. But but virtually all of my friends in France, um, except perhaps my my, my Jewish friends, who would be. You know who would who would temper it more um, have made these kinds of statements to me. So I, I think that it's it's a very awkward thing for the French government, and and I think that someone like Darmanin, the interior minister, who wants to be president, who's incredibly ambitious, um, I, he obviously has the support of of the is pro Israeli Jewish groups in France. But I think he's not doing himself a political favor. I think it is it, very dangerous for him to try to ban pro-Palestinian rallies uh, and, and, and so on. And and you know, you you wonder how how much in touch are people like Biden and Macron with their own public opinions? Um, I remember once when when I was living in Lebanon and these rallies were bombing the hell out of Lebanon as, as usual, and my sister in California wrote to. The late Diane Feinstein, who just passed away, yes. who who was a, an admirable woman. Don't don't get me wrong, but she was very very pro Israeli. And so Marie sent Diane Feinstein a letter as her senator, complaining about U.S. support for Israel. And Feinstein sent her back a form letter saying. Uh, yes, you know, I'm so glad that we, we stand with Israel, blah, blah, blah. And she, they had, whoever the staffer was who sent yes. back the letter had, had was incapable of conceiving of the idea that a constituent, that a voter was against what she was doing.
0: Just a final question, Lara. Initially, the French government decided to adopt a blanket ban on pro-Palestinian protests in France. That proposal by the government was struck down by the courts. Yes. And it is said to be one of the reasons why Macron has lost credit in the Arab world. The final question I want to ask you is from your wide perspective, Lara, both as an American and a European, someone who understands the politics of France profoundly and also of Germany and Europe. How bad can this be? How wide can this conflict spread? Is it beyond the realms of our imagination now? Yes. I, I feel it, and I wonder what you feel.
1: Oh, absolutely, Eamon. I think this is a dreadful horrible time we're living through. It's very, very dangerous. I mean, I, I, it could be my, my late mother, who was a fundamentalist Christian, believed in the Battle of Armageddon and the prophecy that the world would end with a, in Jerusalem with a with the Middle East War. And over the years, from time to time, I think of that. I, I don't believe that. But it, it has the potential to become a world war. It, it really yes. does. And when, you know, you hear that Biden and, and all of these Western leaders are are begging the Israelis to hold off on the ground offensive, to reconsider it, don't do it, and so on and so forth. And and I think that they are they're afraid of this too. Yes. Uh, and I also fear that people like, you know, Ayatollah Khamenei in, in Tehran, uh, and perhaps the Hamas leaders, that some of them are more, would be much happier to see this escalate. Yes. Than our side. And I, and I say our, our in, in quotation marks because I, I don't identify with the policies of our governments on, on this by and large. But, um, I think that the Western leaders realize how absolutely, um, you know, just catastrophically dangerous this whole thing is. Um, and I wonder if some of the uh, the, the others are not gearing for a fight and saying, yes. "Yeah, bring it on, bring it on," you know. Uh,
0: yes, there is another factor, Lara. If I'm not mistaken, the evangelicals, who constitute a huge block in the American presidential election now, they have an affinity, a deep affinity with the Israelis. Absolutely. And there's something called the Rapture.
1: Yes. Uh, i, buddy, I'm, I I'm a bit fuzzy there? on, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's just it, it's terrifying. I'm I'm I don't know. If, it's almost a wonder that any of us can sleep at night with, with what is going on and. Uh, you know, these skirmishes across the Lebanese border continue. Uh, Hezbollah says that if Israel goes in on the ground, that they will attack Israel. Um, these people are playing with fire. And it's, um, you know, when you think, Eamon, that more than 5,000 Palestinians have been killed already. Yes. 1,400 Israelis have been killed. 6,400 people killed. And the U.S. and Germany are opposing a ceasefire? Yes. For yeah. heaven's sakes, we stop it. Stop the fighting. Stop yes. the combat now.
0: Send some food and energy and water in. So without the energy, of course, they can't even access water. Yeah. Lara, it's always a pleasure to have you as a guest on the program. And we're very grateful to you today. We're grateful to Lara, very grateful to her with all her knowledge of the depth and width of this crisis. We're grateful to you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
1: In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more.